0: I gave up a long time ago to try and change the system. I just don't think that's gonna happen. It's what we ask of the system, you know? I mean, if we're asking the system to take care of us when we become acutely ill and stabilize us, then I think we're going to get good use out of the system. But if we're asking the system to heal us, you know, that comes from us.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. Thinking about your cells as the ultimate key to prevention, not a fad, not a supplement, not a, not a trend, but really how are your cells doing? Have you asked yourself that lately? 90% of chronic illness, according to Dr. Rawls and some of the work he's seen is due to a lack of self care. I told you this was all about keeping you guys super powered, stay on the mission, stay on the journey. It's going to make a difference in the long run. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where we are determined to keep you super powered. And joining me today is a very special guest talking about cellular health. That's right. I said it without stuttering, but how important it is for overall health and wellness and how it could be the block that's getting in the way. So this is An interesting topic, one I'm definitely seeing in practice over and over again. We're having to dive deep in here, but I want to introduce you to Dr. Rawls. Dr. Bill Rawls is a fourth-generation physician who's dedicated his life to medicine. He had a health crisis in his early 40s, which really forced him, as it's done for many of us, to change his quality of life. Come face to face with the limitations of modern medicine and begin to search for the vast possibilities of alternative treatments. Today, he's sharing revelations that helped himself and thousands of others reclaim their lives and find their own paths to wellness. He's the best selling author of Unlocking Lyme, the Cellular Wellness Solution, and is the medical director and co founder of Vital Plan, a holistic health company. Welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure.
1: Yes. And I, you know, it's so funny with us as physicians. So many of us veer into a different direction because of our own health. Talk to us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. You're a fourth generation physician. I can imagine that everybody kind of did things a particular way. What made you kind of veer wow. off course and start to look at different ways of healing the body?
0: Well, you know, it was following that pathway. Um, you know, I, I uh, can remember going on house calls with my grandfather. My father was a physician. Initially, I thought, eh, yeah, I need to get away from that. Now, yeah. I actually graduated with a degree in accounting and economics. Oh, wow. ended up going back, getting a chemistry degree, and going on to medical school. Um, but just that journey and and that past association with my grandfather of the compassion that he showed, um influenced even early on my pathway in medicine and I went into obstetrics and gynecology because I wanted to deal with the wellness side of medicine as opposed to you know uh, heavy use of medications to treat illness um and you know just delivering a baby was just the coolest thing yes um but i did that in a small town in on the coast of north carolina where i was on call every second to third night and i was just on one of those people who um you know if, if someone was in labor or someone was in the hospital i didn't sleep So I went sleep deprived for 15 or 20 years and late forties caught up with me and I crashed, but even giving up the call, changing my health habits, all of those things, I just wasn't getting better. And at first I identified with fibromyalgia later found that I was carrying some of the microbes associated with Lyme disease, started identifying with chronic Lyme disease but just wasn't getting better with antibiotics or anything the conventional Mm -hmm. system had to offer me. And ended up turning to herbs and really embraced them heavily, got my life back over a three to five year period. And that actually was the beginning of a journey, the next phase in my career of trying to figure out, what is, what is illness and why did the herbs work for me? And, you know, where, where do we go with this thing? And that's um, it's been interesting. It's been interesting.
1: Well, it's been fascinating because even as we've worked with chronic Lyme or chronic EBV patients in practice, you know, there are all these protocols, right. For antibiotic therapy and IV therapy and antivirals and I feel like they're great in a very acute situation. Like if something's happened fairly recently, but the minute one of these things become chronic, it becomes more of an immune dysfunction. And we're dealing more with, I feel like the immune system rather than this particular trigger. I don't know what your experience is. Talk to us a little bit, you know, we don't want the whole episode to be about Lyme, but just a little bit about, about that, because I know there's so many frustrated people folks. And, you know, even with COVID, quite Uh, honestly, we're seeing it too, where it's tricks on the immune system. And then you're dealing with immune fallout rather than the primary infection. So just curious of, of like what your experience was and what you think is going on there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. We do an exceptionally good job of acute intervention of illness. You know, if you break your leg or have a heart attack or a stroke in the early stages of illness, we do an exceptionally good job of stabilizing the person. Um, But as we move into chronic illness, we ignore the fact that people are chronically ill because the healing systems of their body have become dysfunctional. And instead of addressing that and addressing the underlying causes of the chronic illness that are driving that dysfunction, we continue to treat them with acute intervention Mm -hmm. every day with Mm -hmm. drugs. Mm -hmm. And because we're not addressing the underlying causes, people don't get well. You know, 60%, six out of 10 Americans is living with a chronic illness. Six out of 10
1: staggering staggering and
0: number it's just crazy yeah
1: well why do you think medications are not working in these scenario and something like herbs are you know i'm curious like the chemistry there what's happening there where herbs are able to step in and help and medications cannot
0: yeah you know i i think when you look at at what physicians are doing out there integrative and functional medicine physicians are much more on the right track. And that's where I found myself even before those things existed, but it's the way that you direct how you manage the patient. So typically what we want to do in a conventional medical setting is to find the diagnosis, right? We want to find the diagnosis. We collect the patient's symptom and do a diagnostic protocol to find what category, what little box to put that person in? You know, do they have chronic Lyme or do they have MS or do they have Parkinson's? You know, so so we're looking at fitting that diagnosis. And the purpose of a diagnosis is to find the drug protocol. And what drugs are designed to do is block the manifestations of illness. So we can artificially block pathways, enzymes, things in the body that affect cellular functions in a way that reduces symptoms or slows the process of illness. But it's not getting to the fundamental reason why the patient is ill. Right. So in my journey, you know, early on, I was asking that question, looking at that whole thing differently and going, okay, why is the patient ill? Not what's their diagnosis, why are they ill? what, what, how did their situation evolve that they became chronically ill? And I started looking at causative factors, you know, so, um, this was like 15 years ago and we weren't hearing much about it, but it was like first, you know, diet, that's pretty obvious. Um, people are eating the wrong foods. That's a big deal. Um, next category is toxic substances. I know you've addressed uh, detoxification and toxicity, uh, of all the different chemicals that we're exposed to in our life. You know, that, that you can tie that into an effect of illness, chronic stress. We all get that. You disrupt that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and don't sleep that's really bad. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to disrupt all your hormone systems Mm -hmm. being sedentary, not moving. Um, You know, we have to move blood to keep things healthy. And if you're not moving blood by exercise, and then that last factor that, that, that uh, chronic Lyme disease tied me into was microbes. So those are the main factors that cause illness. It's, it's not, it's, it's pretty finite. You know, you can trace all this out. And what I've done over the past decade is look at how those things affect all the way down to a cellular level. Hmm. So when we talk about symptoms, you know, we tend to kind of get this nebulous idea of what a symptom is, how it feels. We know it's something wrong. Very specifically, what a symptom is, is cells in the body that have been stressed. Any symptom can be defined as cellular stress. You you know, know, and for those of you
1: who are trying to wrap your heads around this idea, I want you to think about your organs, your blood, your brain, your heart, your hormones, all of it teeming with cells, right? The cells are the stuff that power it, make it move, make it do the job it's supposed to do. And if our cells are dying, right. For whatever reason, that's when we're going to feel a certain way, but we don't think that way. At least most of us don't think that way in practice, right? We're trying to manage a symptom or manage a condition or manage a disease, not manage a cell. So I'm hearing from you, you're shifting that conversation to say, let's manage these cells. Is that correct?
0: That's the root of health, you know, that uh, the book I called cellular wellness, because that's what it's all about. You know, if you have symptoms of any kind, like if you step wrong and twist your ankle, you've damaged cells in your foot. Um, If you uh, block off a coronary artery and block blood flow going to the heart muscle, you are damaging, you are stressing cells in the heart. And you feel it as chest pain. So, when cells are stressed, they release chemical substances that activate nerves that tell our brain something's wrong. So, we feel pain or discomfort. But the other thing is, when you stress cells, and especially stress cells chronically, you lose that function. You know, mm-hmm. if you step wrong on that, that ankle, you can't walk on it as well. So, if you put a brace on it, and walk on crutches for a few weeks, it heals, right? Right. So, what healing is? We hear that word all the time. Yeah. And I, you know, I couldn't answer that question. What is healing? What healing is is the ability of cells to recover from being chronically active, from being stressed. So, cells have the ability to repair internal damage and also regenerate new cells. So, what healing is is the ability of cells to recover from stress. So, when you look at illness as being and symptoms as being uh, uh, stressed cells, and illness as being stressed cells, what chronic illness is is when cells are continue to be stressed because the stresses are ongoing. So that puts you on a whole different playing field. So the answer is not how do we block the manifestations of illness, which is important in those early stages to stabilize it. The answer is how do we de-stress ourselves and allow them to heal? So it's those five factors. You know, you eat a better diet, you work on your detoxification, you get your stress, your, 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 uh, stress level down because, and sleep, because sleep is, is so important for cells to recover. You know, we need downtime and then exercise mobility is really important because it, uh, it does things to ourselves, but very importantly, you know, when we talk about that first stage of detoxification starts at the cellular level, right? You know, the toxins are in the cells. They're damaging the cells. That's what they're doing. And the cells are trying to purge those things. And they need blood flow. They need to wash that continual wash that we get from, from being physically active to mobilize those things into the bloodstream and lymphatic system and get it moving beyond. So those are the main factors that stress our cells. And then there's the microbes.
1: Oh my goodness. I can't wait to talk about microbes. But before we get there, how can we assess because many of us are checked out, right? We're a little bit checked out from our physical bodies. We don't pay attention until a symptom or a disease shows up. Is there a way to ask for a test or to scan our bodies and to know we're getting into this condition of cellular sort of uh, stress before it becomes something bigger that gets harder to manage?
0: Yeah. You know, I think all of our routine testing and a lot of the things that you do as integrated physicians um, can give you some early clues as to what is going on, but there are literally thousands of different kinds of tests that you can do. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, which ones give you the best answer? It's really hard to define. And I've found in my practice over the years that I, I you know I, I I was at a point where I was doing a lot of testing. Yeah. And I found that the more time that I spent talking to the patient, you know, if I spent a good hour really starting early on, maybe sometimes at birth and piecing together the person's situation and why they became chronically ill and what kind of symptoms evolved, I can get a pretty good idea of what's going on, and I found that that often is even superior to labs. Hmm. The body will talk to you. I mean, my grandfather yeah. used to tell me, yeah. and and you know, this is a common saying: um, if you let them, the patient will tell you what's wrong with them, and it's just a matter of doing that, listening, but also it's helping the patient become. Very inwardly focused to really Mm -hmm. understand, you know, that these symptoms—it's really an important signal. Um, Symptoms are very, very accurate. Now, there are things that occur early on that people don't notice. You know, we start developing arterial plaques, and 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 sometimes inflammation, and we we ignore these warning signs. So, I think the labs are very valuable, but the more we can key people into being uh focused in and recognizing that you know thing things you know the symptoms are there for a reason they, they they they're telling us something you know we all get symptoms that come and go right. but um because the body is constantly trying to heal itself but when symptoms don't go away or when you have a symptom you know you can focus it um to say okay, this is, you know, I'm having this symptom in this part of the body. How do I promote healing there? What can I do to help that process? Like, you know, using a brace and crutches when you Mm -hmm. twist your ankle, Mm -hmm. you know, you're helping that process. Well, eating a good diet, cleaning up your your lifestyle, um, getting more sleep, all of these things can create that environment of healing inside your body.
1: So even if you do have the recognition that something's off, you're not quite right. Things are starting to develop. Where would somebody begin? What would you have them do first?
0: As far as uh, modifications in their behavior, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, diets are usually a good, pretty good, good, good place to start. Place to start. Um, you know, it's. Um, I I think you and I would probably be on the same page of diet. I'd try to keep it simple and say, eat more vegetables than anything else and try to keep your carbs down below 150, 200 grams a day. Um, don't eat so much red meat. If you do basically those things, you know, that'll carry a long way. Um
1: how food is such a powerful medicine right it's like almost 75 of, percent of the journey i feel like for so many people well sure. let's switch to microbes
0: right. and
1: my concern here is you know whatever you believe about the climate and the planet and all this other stuff i feel like we're going to continue to be presented with microbes we might not be used to microbes that become opportunistic You know, what is your feeling about the whole microbial situation or the bacterial situation that and viruses that we'll be dealing with over the next, you know, 20, 30 years?
0: Yeah. You know, when I was born, there were 3 billion people on the planet. Now we've got 7.8 billion. And I uh, found a National Geographic article last year that suggested that 40% of those people, 40% 40% of those people do not have enough water to regularly wash mm-hmm. their hands. Yikes. And they're in contact with each other and contact yeah. with animals. So I think we are going to see more of these kinds of things as our population gets more concentrated and also more mobile. Mm-hmm. We deal with climate change and that sort of thing. People are going to be moving around the planet. Um, so you know, keeping your body healthy is really important. So we are going to have new things that come at us, but we have things that come at us all the time. And that's where my study has carried me. That is really fascinating. And it really started with Lyme disease, recognizing that people that are struggling with this thing called Lyme disease don't have a microbe, they have this whole spectrum of things, you know, whenever they test, they find stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the more I looked, I found that, well, there's well over a hundred species of microbes that can be picked up that could be potentially carried chronically without even people knowing it, Right, low grade pathogens. And that carried me even deeper to explore uh, current research that's going on um into something we're calling the dormant blood and tissue microbiome. Hmm, what um, is that? Sorry, I what that yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um we all have microbes, right? We have right. bacteria that live in our gut and on our skin and body openings in our mouths, our sinuses. We have bacteria but technically they're separate from our tissues, right? So we have to keep their, our microbes because what microbes want is food. And our, well, you know, anything living is food, including our body and our cells. So we have to keep the microbes contained inside the gut with the uh, gut lining. We keep them on the outer part of our skin. So we have barriers. Um, But they get through the barriers. So we have the immune system when we get an infection. So what an infection is, is just a new microbe trying to break through barriers. But what we're finding out, though, is that microbes from the gut and the skin and the oral cavity are constantly trickling across those barriers and getting Mm -hmm. past the immune system. And what they do when they do that is invade cells and live inside cells inside your blood cells, your red blood cells, your white blood cells. But that gets them into the brain. So we actually have a brain microbiome, heart microbiome. They found low-grade microbes inside our cells. All these things are intracellular. And what what this research is showing is that these microbes, if you have healthy cells, then these microbes can stay dormant. Not really alive, but not dead either, and capable of being reactivated. That it's um, that it's something present. So when the when the bacteria or the microbe goes into the cell, it uh, it changes, and it and it can reach this dormant state. So not all of our cells, but some of our cells, hmm. pretty significant number of our cells, yeah. and we may even have a symbiotic relationship with some of these bacteria. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy research, but it is also starting to make links to if you follow a bad diet and don't get sleep and get bombarded with toxins and your cells get stressed, they get vulnerable. These microbes reactivate and that is uh, they're making connections and, and defining. I've been reading a story, a study all morning defining the different mechanisms hmm. that these microbes can uh, end up causing chronic illness.
1: Wow. So is that the why behind why some people might get brain cancer? Or somebody else might get an autoimmune disease. Somebody else might get a heart attack. Is, do we connect it all back to these microbial it's, pieces? It's all
0: connected. It's all connected and people wow. get different illnesses because We all have different genes, and we all pick up different microbes through our lifetime. So we have this relationship, this extended microbiome that goes into our blood and tissues, and it's just there, and it's almost kind of like a time bomb, and some of them are probably worse than others. So when you get something like COVID or another infection, not only are you dealing with that microbe coming in, you stress your body and stress your immune cells that it can allow reactivation of these other things that are there, like Epstein-Barr virus and CME Mm. and mycoplasma and chlamydia and all Mm. of these things that are there. And so we're still early in the game of really understanding how it all works, but it's pretty fascinating. And when you start putting it all together, it starts explaining chronic illness to the T.
1: So what happened, like how, let's say we've lived rough or hard. We're doctors. I also went through what got me here was my whole journey, right? From chaotic childhood to college, to residency and ER and all that business. You know, if we've lived really hard for a period of time or been through trauma or grief where we're vulnerable, right? The body hasn't been well taken care of. These microbes enter these cells. Are we just done? Is it all over? Like what, what? Oh, no,
0: you know, there's, there's speculation that this is pretty much happening with everybody and we all have this microbiome that becomes part of us. You know, that's the thing that I fight uh, all the time with people trying to understand Lyme disease. It's like, no, I just take an antibiotic. It gets rid of the bacteria. They're gone. And then I'm well again. but then, you know, it's, it's pretty rare that people actually get well with prolonged antibiotics. And so I look at my situation and, you know, I, that in the beginning, I mean, I found herbs, the herbs were working and I was of that mindset. I just got to keep taking the herbs. I'll get rid of the bacteria. And I finally figured out after several years of doing this back and forth that, No, I'm probably not going to get rid of them. They are part of me. They are inside my cells. These, and it's not just the Lyme microbes. It's other things that I've picked up. And so the good news is, I have been peak health for a decade since Mm -hmm. that time. And not only, yeah, I'm picky about my diet, my sleep, and all of these kinds of things that we do. But I have been taking herbs. Pretty significant doses of herbs for 15 years. Mm. I'm 65 now, and I'm still doing some pretty vigorous activities like kite surfing that I didn't think I was ever going to be able to do again. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, so that's that's the fascinating thing—the story of the herbs. And how they work and how they are counteracting account, all of these things, all of these factors.
1: So are there favorite herbs that, you know, we don't want people running out and taking a bunch of herbs without supervision, but are there favorite herbs that trigger, you know, cellular regeneration, repair, healing, in addition to obviously diet, lifestyle, stress, sleep, all these other things? What are your favorites?
0: Um, I do have some favorite herbs, and just just to put that in perspective, I would say that that uh, the really wonderful thing about herbs is when you take an herb, you're taking uh, the plant's system of protecting itself. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people look at herbs like they're drugs, and we just use them to take care of symptoms. The herbs are doing so much more. Um, So there are herbs that have chemicals in them that might uh, mimic some of our neurotransmitters or hormones that we get a little bit of a drug-like effect like St. John's Word Mm -hmm. or maybe kava or passion flower. But there are many herbs that don't really work that way, that what they're doing is they're providing cellular protection. So when we take an herb, we're getting the chemistry of the plant. that The plant is using to protect its cells. So it's protecting its cells from free radicals, toxic substances, radiation, every type of stress that our cells undergo, the plant is also protecting its cells. But it's also protecting its cells from microbes. And -hmm. it's not one chemical. It's hundreds of different chemicals that affect bacteria, viruses, protozoa. But one of the really fascinating things about the herbs that I found, and I've actually found studies that support it now, is that the herbs don't disrupt gut flora like antibiotics do. Mm. So you can take them, and it's more of an sp- effect of suppressing pathogens, but not, I found that actually herbs were better for balancing the gut than probiotics do. Yeah. They're outstanding. Yeah. So there are herbs that don't have drug-like effects that have, that they're just cell protectants, you know, so they're giving us this robust cell protection and antimicrobial protection. And what they're doing, unlike drugs, is they're, they're, they're promoting healing. So there are a lot of herbs that I love, but kind of my list um, for, for people who are interested, rhodiola, that's top of my list, uh, rhodiola. Is an herb from Siberia that helps us enhances our ability to deal with physical stress and mental stress, and it's prote- because it's protecting our cells. Um, Turmeric, I'm sure you're very aware of, it's a wonderful anti-inflammatory herb. Reishi is actually a medicinal mushroom. Mm-hmm. It has been studied in Japan for anti-cancer effects. All of these things have the effect of protecting ourselves, protecting ourselves from microbes of various kinds, but also balancing our stress hormones. So they're doing a lot of things for us. Go to cola, mm-hmm. love that. Affects yeah. The brain, um, and, and it uh, has some wonderful anti-diabetic effects also. That was fascinating. I found that there are hundreds of, of herbs that have anti-diabetic effects. So as we're trying to get off those carbohydrates, it helps yeah. normalize insulin and other kinds of things. Right. Um, and milk thistle, you've mentioned that one. Yeah, I got to have that on the list because it's really one. wonderful for, for protecting our liver function. Um, so there are some other herbs that have stronger antimicrobial properties like Japanese knotweed, andrographis, cat's claw, but I tend to reserve those for a population of people who are struggling with some kind of chronic illness. And I don't, you know, I, I, I put, I don't use the concept of diagnosis the same way I did. I see chronic Lyme disease as a, really a model for understanding all of chronic illness so I think these these same principles apply to anyone for any situation.
1: Well, what is our current healthcare system going to do? Because it doesn't think this way. What do you think the future is? You're a fourth generation physician. I'm sure you've watched medicine change or the practice of medicine change, you know, over the years. Where are we headed? If this is the future, if it's cellular health you know, what do we all do from a practice? I mean, I have an amazing practice. I'm not worried about me and my patients, but, you know, for the global population, how are we going to shift the way we think about disease and healthcare?
0: Yeah. It's going to be a grassroots effort. That's what I'm trying to do. That's why I spend so much time getting information out there. Um, I gave up a long time ago to change the system. I just don't think that's going to happen. And the other thing is, you know, it's, it's what we ask of the system. You know, I mean, if we're asking the system to take care of us when we become acutely ill and stabilize us, then I think we're going to get good use out of the system. But if we're asking the system to heal us, you know, that comes from us, that yeah. comes from God. Yeah. So I think it is more changing the way people think about themselves, you know, and looking at it. And as a, as I have been through time, the thinking, you know, the, the message sent by the medical system, it was, go ahead, eat whatever you want, do whatever you want, have a party, just great. And we're going to fix you when everything falls apart. Right? That was a hollow promise. We don't have that capacity. So I think it is motivating people to be proactive about their own health. And you do that every day. I do that every day. There are more and more people, more providers of various kinds every day. We need more health coaches. We need people educating the public to say, yeah, you, you know, if you really want to feel well, you have really have to take care of your body, your cells. And, and if you're doing that, you're going to be fine. Yeah. It's going to be good. Love it. The book
1: is cellular health came out this summer, right? So where, where can we find the book? How can folks connect to you?
0: Um, the, the book is on Amazon, of course, all books are on Amazon, I guess, yes, right. um, but there's also a website cellular wellness. And, um, so look for the cellular wellness solution on Amazon. Uh, it's got a, a lot of great information. I mean, it's, it's just loaded. It, it's truly a manual. Um, that could complement anybody's journey uh, and, and help them understand some of these really interesting topics that I've just found fascinating over the years.
1: Well, I love this topic, and I hope everyone listening today got so much information from it and has a sense of how we need to be thinking about health and healing and how to prevent disease. And I just think I'm so appreciative of all the work you've been doing. I think it's incredible. And I love connecting with like-minded practitioners as well. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think it's too. amazing.
0: Thank you for the opportunity. It's uh, really of, fun.
1: Of course. And for everyone else listening and watching to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, connect with Dr. Rawls, check out his book. And remember, you can rate and review the show, share it with your friends and spread the word about thinking about health and healing a little bit differently. I'll see you guys next time.